Alrighty folks, and welcome to the Conquer Podcast channel. This is episode 39, the Western Jin Dynasty. Firstly, I would like to say a huge sorry for the lack of episodes and the lack of posts lately. To tell you the truth, I was ill a couple of weeks ago. It wasn't severe, but my voice sounded like I was like the Grim Reaper. So I decided I couldn't really freak people out by recording a podcast episode. I'd be kind of weird. The second week was that I had a lot of catching up to do with work. So unfortunately, this passion project of mine had to be put on the back burner. My sincere apologies for that, folks. But we should be all good now, right up until Christmas time. The last episode was my discussion with John Ju, and it was about a two-hour-long conversation which discussed the characters and romance of the Three Kingdoms. I will leave a link to John's current show, which is called Outlaws of the Marsh, so go and check it out. Outlaws of the Marsh, or the Water Margin as it's more famously known as, is about another one of the four classic Chinese novels. It's basically a bunch of bandits living on a mountain during the time of the Song Dynasty, so be sure to give it a wee look. Anyway, in our timeline, we need to conclude the Three Kingdoms period now, and move on to how it all ended, which begs the question, how did it end? To be honest, the Three Kingdoms were victims of the usual things that plagued Chinese dynasties. Corrupt officials, incompetent emperors, conflicts between officials and eunuchs, and of course rivalries between the ruling family and some other powerful family. I think the main character which I will be focusing on today is a man named Sima Yi, who was the quote-unquote founder of the Western Jin Dynasty. He never declared himself emperor, but his grandson Sima Rui did so, and it was through Sima Yi setting up the foundations for the Sima family to take over from the Tao family. What's interesting is that Sima Yi served Tao Tao when the latter was alive, and helped Tao Tao gain victories on various campaigns, particularly when Tao Tao invaded Hangzhou and defeated the Taoist sect led by a man named Zhang Lu. Despite Sima Yi's obvious talents, Tao Tao was wary of him, as he seen that Sima Yi was ambitious as well. Even as he was dying and entrusting his legacy to his son, Tao Pi, Tao Tao told his son to watch out for this dude, as he was extremely ambitious. His advice to use Sima Yi, but not to put him in too many positions of power. Now, Tao Pi did listen to his father to some extent, but it was clear that Sima Yi was the most talented advisor to have. The old squad who helped his father were all either too old or dead, and Sima Yi was still there. So yeah, give this guy the good jobs, as he will get them done. An example can come from when Liu Bei died in the year 223. Talpi asked Sima Yi for advice on wiping out the kingdom of Shu Han in this period of instability. Sima Yi then proposed a five-pronged assault, not using just Wei forces, but also forming an alliance with Wu and the Nan Man in the south too. Unfortunately for Talpi, however, it turned out to be a failure and Shu Han held on, as Wu didn't get involved. Shortly after this, Talpi died at a young age, and then the throne fell to his son, Tao Rui in the year 226. There is some controversy over Tao Rui. Firstly, his origins. 
Talpi actually took a concubine named Lady Jen, who was married to a relative of Yuan Shao's. This happened after the Battle of Guangdu, and he just took her and married her. Simple as that. But her son, Ta Rui, was born eight months after the marriage, making people believe that this was not Talpi's son after all. But the Yuan guy who was killed from Taltao's campaigns north was actually his father. Either that or, you know, Talpi just slept with her before the marriage. In any case, Tao Rui was now the Emperor of Wei and took the title Emperor Ming of Wei. It seems that he had two sides to him. One side was of a wise ruler, and the other one was one of a lustful, incompetent man. I'll start with the good stuff briefly. He was very good at having the right people for the job. For example, he appointed Sima Yi as his military strategist, his cousin Tao Jin as his advisor, and Chen Chun as his administrator. Furthermore, when it came to Zhuge Liang's incursions up to the north, Emperor Ming moved his base of operations to Chang'an in order to keep on top of any developing situations on the front lines, while Sima Yi was there defending the empire, which he did. On the other hand, he almost bankrupted the imperial treasury by building massive temple projects. He said it was to honour his ancestors, while some think that he was doing this because he needed to house the thousands of concubines he had taken under his wing. It is said that he was so lustful that he ordered a decree whereby all men with reportedly beautiful wives were to be taken to him and become his concubines, unless they could pay a ransom. It sounds insane, and yet it was carried out because the emperor said so. And I suppose it was a win-win for Tao Rui. If the men paid the ransom, it was more money for the building projects he was bankrupting the treasury with. And if they couldn't pay the ransom, then he could have a new, beautiful concubine to add to the mix. Now I did say that Tao Rui did appoint Sima Yi to defend the empire from Zhuge Liang's northern expeditions, and it was a good decision, but the truth is that it is and it isn't. Now let me explain. It was a good decision because Sima Yi did his job and fought the Shuhan forces, and he won. But at the same time, it made Sima Yi popular with the generals in the army, and it made them more loyal to him than the Tao family, which then prompted him to get sacked after each victory against Zhuge Liang. But the worst decision Tao Rui made was that on his deathbed, he gave the throne to his five-year-old son, Tao Fan, in 238, and made his incompetent cousin, Tao Shuang, regent alongside Sima Yi. Tao Shuang as regent was an idiot, and tried his very best to undermine anything Sima Yi proposed, if it was, even if it was for ben beneficial for the country. Now Sima Yi could well have known this, and proposed something that would make him look good in the eyes of other officials, so as to garner more support. But in any case, he was often rebuffed, and then moved to the title of Grand Mentor, or Taifu, a position of prestige but with no political or military power. By the time the year 249 came around, shortly after this humiliation, Sima Yi feigned sickness, pretended to be mad and all sorts, and he retired from public life. In order to be sure that his political rival was indeed out of the game, Tao Shuang sent his cronies to check up on the Grand Mentor and they confirmed that he was ill and 
pretty soon he would be dead any day. With the good news being received and understood, Tao Shuang let his guard down, and he had a party! The young emperor Tao Fang was on duty and had to visit the temples of his ancestors just outside Luoyang, whilst Tao, Tao Shuan was partying inside the city, which was a bad move. As Tao Fang left the city, Sima Yi knew Tao Shuang was now exposed. He then mobilised his generals who helped him in his campaigns against Zhuge Liang, but he raided Tao Shuang's home and killed everyone as well as all the supporters of Tao Shang as well, may I add. By the time the emperor came back, all of his relatives were dead and Sima Yi was standing there looking not so sick at all. Sima Yi then saved the young Tao Wei emperor from his corrupt relatives and became grand regent and of course gave himself all the political power to run the empire and get rid of the corrupt families, aka the Tao's. Now I just have to wonder, Whilst Tao Tao did exactly the same thing, with Sima Yi just standing there with a notepad, writing, Remember and say, I'm saving the emperor. It calms people down. It's so ironic that Sima Yi emulated Tao Tao's strategy, and that it was against his former leader. Could you imagine if the two of them met in the afterlife, and Tao Tao asked Sima Yi, How did my empire do after my death? Which would then prompt an awkward reply, Well, uh, about that. <laughs> anyway, after launching this coup, Sima Yi did die, and then it was his son, Sima Zhao, who then took over the position of regent. As regent, Sima Zhao sized up the other two kingdoms, which were still around, and decided that Shu Han was by far the weakest. Now why was that, you may ask? Well, Liu Bei's son, Liu Shan, was just a complete buffoon, who was China's most stupid emperors around. Now according to legend, Whilst Liu Bei was on the run from Tao Tao at the Battle of Chamban in 208, one of his top generals, a man named Zhao Yun, fought his way through Tao Tao's lines, holding Liu Bei's son, Liu Shan, the entire time, and the general almost died getting back to Liu Bei's lines. When he presented Liu Shan to Liu Bei, however, Liu Bei threw the baby to the ground and said, I almost lost a good general for a mere son. Yep, father of the year award right there. Now it seems like Liu Shan paid him back by just being a stupid emperor and running the legacy that his father spent his entire life building to the ground. When Wei invaded Shu Han in 263, it was a complete walkover, as Liu Shan hadn't built up any defences and was totally unprepared for the invasion force led by Sima Zhao. Afterwards, when Liu Shan surrendered to Sima Zhao, he was actually allowed to live out the rest of his life in Luoyang, believe it or not. I reckon Sima Zhao seen him as no threat whatsoever, so just decided, eh, no point in killing this simpleton. Now that Shu Han was conquered, it was just the kingdom of Wei under Sima leadership, up against the kingdom of Wu. Now Wu wasn't faring much better than Shu Han, in terms of management, to be honest. When Sun Quan died in 252, he could already see his kingdom begin to decline. He had a major succession crisis, which completely divided his court, and a conflict ensued within court as he was on his deathbed. He got so fed up of the bickering within his court that he actually exiled the two heir apparents and made them commoners. 
The two heirs were Sun He and Sun Ba. After completing this bit of ugly business, Sun Liang was the youngest boy, sorry, was the young one who was chosen to be Sun Quan's heir. The problem with this, however, was that he wasn't old enough to rule yet, and it was actually Zhuge Liang's brother, Zhuge Ke, who became regent. However, he was soon killed by a general named Sun Jun, a member of the imperial family. Sun Jun had many attempts on his life, but always managed to escape these assassination efforts, and then he popped his clogs of old age. Sun Liang, by this stage, was actually old enough to rule himself, which he did poorly. Then his brother, Sun Xiu, usurped the throne from him and had him poisoned by 260. And now, Sun Xiu was in charge. Was he any better than his brother? Nope. <laughs> Not that it mattered, because then he died suddenly of illness and the Wu throne was passed to Sun Hao. Sun Hao was a terrible choice for the throne, as he was extremely cruel apparently, and he would punish people for entertainment, and he was just a downright asshole to everyone he came across. Not to mention having thousands of concubines as well, laddy laddy ladda, you get the idea. Now I know, that was a huge information dump just telling you how bad things got for Sun Quan and his kingdom of Wu. But I mean it just sums it up, it was so complicated and yeah, the whole thing was a mess. So it would be a perfect time for somebody, somewhere else, to usurp power and then go and take over and unify the country. And that's exactly what happened in the Kingdom of Wei. It was funny that you mentioned this because after their victory over Shu Han, the Sima family, under the leader Sima Yan, Sima Yin's grandson, decided that now was the time to kick the Wei Emperor off the throne and a new dynasty declared. Wei had now turned into Jin in the year 265. Now please note there will be other Jin dynasties later on, so for all purposes here, we will just call this Jin, Si Jin, which means Western Jin. Sima Yan then gave himself the title Jin Wu Di, or Emperor Wu of Jin. Having usurped the throne, Emperor Wu launched one last invasion against Wu to unite the country. Again, this wasn't really much of a contest at this stage, because none of the generals in the Wu camps really wanted to fight for a cruel and insane emperor. So the invasion started in November 279, and by March 280, Sun Hao had been captured and was being dragged back to the Jin capital. And that was that. By the year 280, China was reunified and a new dynasty of greatness was sure to follow, right? Well, actually, no. Emperor Wu of Jin did a great job in making China more stable, but once he dies, China would fall back into chaos once again. But, more on that next week. So this rounds off the Three Kingdoms era, and once we have dealt with the extremely short-lived Jin dynasty, we will move into the Northern and Southern dynasties. So, I look forward to getting researching into that. Now, I hope you've enjoyed this episode, and until next time, Thanks for listening.